Well, welcome everybody to week eight of virtual church. Who would have thought when we started this eight weeks ago that we were going to be doing this for two months? Looks like going on three months. So somebody sent me this uh, this week. It says, reasons to watch church online. One, no parking problems. Number two, refill your coffee anytime. I, I should be able to do that here myself, actually. Uh, third, relax in your pajamas. And fourth, you can mute the pastor. So there you go. Benefits of watching church online. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter is writing to the persecuted church, the church scattered, and um, he's writing to encourage them to have hope in the midst of great difficulty. The theme for the book is all about having hope in difficulty. Well, if there's ever a time that we want to hear from this book, in fact, we were in 1 Peter just a few weeks ago in chapter 1, but this week I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're just going to read a few verses, verses 7 down through verse 11. So Peter writes, and he said, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... He should be speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should be doing it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So I'm going to give you five things here that Peter focuses on in this section of what we should be doing in times of great difficulty. Now, I'm going to keep this message short this morning because I've, I've noticed that I've been a little long in uh, my sermons for online presentation anyway. So I'm going to be brief this morning, but these are five things that I think we should all be focusing on. Peter wrote to the church that they should be doing. So it's really a word of exhortation. Let's be doing these things. So he starts off there in that first verse. In verse 7, he said, the end of all things is near. Now, isn't that interesting. The end of all things is near. So he's writing to a church that's being persecuted. They're suffering for their faith. And he writes, the end of all things is near. One commentator said, as is common in the New Testament, the end or final salvation is set before Christians to stimulate their faith and to encourage them in times of difficulty. And the words that he uses there in is near is in the Greek is in the Greek in the perfect tense, which means that that time, the end, has drawn near. So Peter is writing to the church, going through great difficulty, and he's encouraging them to live as if the end was imminent. So how would you and I be living if we knew that either our time here on earth was over or that the Lord's return was going to happen right away? You have to wonder if Peter was remembering the words of Jesus when Peter said, when Jesus said to Peter in Luke's gospel chapter 12, Jesus said, be prepared, all dressed and ready for your Lord's return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he comes and knocks. There will be great joy for those who are ready and waiting for his return. 
he himself will seat them and put on a waiter's uniform and serve them as they sit and eat. So Jesus is telling his disciples, look, at the Lord's return could come at any time, so be ready for that time. And then Peter says at the end of it, Peter said, Lord, are you talking to just us or to everyone? It, it almost reminds us of the uh, parable of the ten virgins. It's that be ready all the time for I, the Messiah, will come when least expected. So the early church was... The early church was clearly expecting a soon return of Christ. So if Peter was saying to them, the end is near, how much closer it is for you and me 2,000 years later? You know, when he says the end is near, he doesn't mean tomorrow, but in light of all of eternity, the end, we're in the, the end stage. The end is near. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that this life is not all there is, that we have something else to look forward to. Peter was reminding his readers that it could come any day. So Peter's writing to this church, and the first focus point he gives them, he said, look it, be living as if the Lord could come back today, as if the end was right here. Somebody we know, August Turek, is a entrepreneur and award-winning author. Somebody asked him, they said, what's in your wallet? He said, expired driver's licenses. Why expired driver's license? He said, I keep several in my wallet, occasionally looking at how I've aged in my license photos reminds me, listen to what he said, to make Every day count. So the first thing that Peter focuses on, I told you I was going to give you five things, is number one is we need to be thinking. We need to be cognizant of the fact that today could be our last day or the Lord could return right away. I'm going to share a story with you that somebody sent me this week. I've said this probably nearly every week since we started this. And uh, I love seeing the church of God in action during this time. So I got, a, I got a story from a lady in our church this week, and here's what she writes. She said, I'm going to share a story with you that you won't even believe. Last Thursday, my aunt tested positive for COVID, and I was driving around processing things. I went to pass a Jeep that was taking a left turn, and I felt my car shake. I realized I had hit her. So we pulled over. It turned out it was just a scratch. So then she proceeded to ask me if I needed food. All right, you getting this picture with me? Lady in our church driving her car. Lady in front of her making a left turn. She goes to go around her. Car shakes. She hit the lady. They both pull over. So the lady, the lady looks at her and says, after they realize it's just a scratch, the lady looks at her and says, I mean, out of the blue, random. Do you need food? She said, I didn't mean to, but my eyes just began to well up. And she proceeded to take out $100 cash and gave me $100 cash. And then, the, the, then today, she says in the text, when she, when she sent it to me, she said, and today 
She gave me all these groceries, and she sent me a picture of her table full of groceries. She sent me a table full of groceries and another $20. So listen, if you need food, just go out and hit somebody this week, okay? But is that an amazing story? But here's what the lady said to her. The lady said to her, she said, are you putting your trust in the Lord? And she said, "Um, yes, I am. So the lady was obviously a believer, and she's really, she's leaving out what Peter said to do. I mean, somebody hits you, and you end up giving them money. Why? Because you're a follower of Christ, living as if today could be the last day, and we're going to make every moment of being Christians to this world. Second thing he says is, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. So the end of all things is near. Therefore, now you know what I'm going to say here, right? Whenever you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. So Peter is saying, okay, the end could come at any time. So here is what you should be focusing on. The end of all things is near. Therefore, the King James Version reads this way. Therefore, be sober and watch unto prayer. The word there means to be calm and cool and collected. Chuck Swindoll defines it. It says it means to be of sound judgment, to be, so, be of sober spirit, to be calm. Today we might, stay, we might say stay cool. Don't be filled with anxiety. Don't panic. Face life realistically. Realize that God is in control. Okay, so there's something funny about the author that's writing this. He says, okay, in trying times, when the heat gets turned up, stay calm, stay cool, stay collected. Don't be full of anxiety. Trust in God. Who is writing this letter? It's it's the Apostle Peter. If there's anybody in Scripture that was not calm, cool, and collected, it was Peter. Peter was always the one that was, you know, flying off and doing something. You might remember in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus? What did Peter do? Took out the sword and cut off Malchus's ear. Jesus had to heal the guy. You might remember when, when Jesus said, you know, my time has come. And Peter said, no, never. that's never going to happen to you. And, and Jesus had to rebuke Peter and say, Peter, you have in mind the things of men, not the things of God. So Peter, it's kind of funny. Somebody said one time, they said, you preach best what you need most. So I think Peter is preaching to this church and telling them, listen, in this hard time, stay cool, stay calm, stay collected. I think Peter had to learn that same lesson. It's kind of like when John wrote the letters of John, and it's all about love. That's kind of funny coming from John. He's the one that wanted to call down fire from heaven and destroy people. But he ends up writing a book all about love. So anyway, I find some humor in this. So my paraphrase, again, of what Peter is saying, he said, don't panic. Don't worry. Grab a hold of your thoughts and begin to pray. If there's ever a time that we need to do what Peter said, it is right now. Don't let our thoughts go wild, but grab them, pull them in, stay calm, stay cool, and above all, pray, pray, pray. Third thing he says is this. Okay, so focus on eternity. Live for eternity. And then grab your thoughts together so that you can pray. Have you ever noticed that when you, get, when you get panicked, when things are, are rough, sometimes it is the most difficult time to pray. That's why he's saying, pull your thoughts together so that you can pray. 
Third thing he says is that we need to love each, each other. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, you all know from Scripture that love is the greatest command in the Bible, right? Said to Jesus, you know, teacher, what's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It love. And we know that love is the greatest gift because Paul said when he wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith and can move mountains but don't have love, I have nothing. So love is the greatest gift. Love is the greatest command. But do you know that love is also the greatest evidence of our faith? Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Well, how many of you know that God's love for us, Jesus' love for us, is great? And he's saying, as I have loved you, so then you need to love other people just like that. And then he says, by this, by what? By our love, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if... You love one another. But here Peter says, did you notice those two words? Above all. Peter is saying, make loving the brethren a priority. Make loving the brethren a priority. So above all, make it a priority. Love each other deeply. You know, the word that he uses there for deeply, it's, it's uh, interpreted fervent in the old English version of the Bible. You know what it means? It means to actually strain towards it. So when he says, love each other deeply, he's saying, put some effort into it. Be straining towards loving each other. Love one another deeply. So Peter's saying we need to be straining towards showing God's love. If there was ever a time that people need to feel the love, it is now. And then he goes on, because love covers a multitude of sin. Now, if I were to ask the question, anybody that's hearing me, have you ever been hurt by somebody? Has somebody ever offended you? Somebody ever said something bad about you? I mean, everyone. So Peter is saying love will cover those sins, not meaning not that they atone for, but that they... I want to read you a definition here. It says, it does not mean that our love covers or atones for our sins, but in the proverb that he's quoting here, the meaning is that love does not stir up sins or broadcast them. So you can tell when we really love somebody that we are not broadcasting all of their faults and their sin because love covers a multitude of sin. I hope you're hearing me this morning. Fourth thing he says is this. He says, live hospitable. Practice hospitality. Verse, verse 9 in 1 Peter chapter 4, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, some people just have the gift of hospitality. You know, they just make you feel at home when you're around them. They make you feel warm and comfortable. And if you were to visit them at their house, they would be delighted to have you come in. Some people just have that gift. 
So I'm going to give you a little, t- a little test to see if you have the gift of hospitality. Here it is. Do people just love hanging out at your house? Is having people over something you love to do? If you, so if you answer yes to a majority of these, this is probably one of your spiritual gifts. Are you one of the first people to greet the new people at youth group or at church? Do, feel, do people feel comfortable stopping by your house out of the blue, and do you enjoy it? I have to say no to that, so I don't have the gift of hospitality, apparently. Is your home a place of ministry? Do you enjoy planning parties and events? Okay, so if you were to answer yes to most of those things, you, you may have the gift of hospitality. So there are some that are probably thinking, okay, well, that's not my gift, so I'm off the hook. I don't have to practice hospitality. I hate to, I hate to tell you this, but you're not off the hook because it's not your gift. Listen, serving may not be your gift, but you still have to serve at times. Teaching may not be your gift, but sometimes God calls you to disciple somebody and teach them. Leading may not be your gift, but we're all called to lead people. Encouraging may not be my gift, but we're all called to encourage. So Peter is saying here, practice hospitality. Live hospitably. Do you know that hospitality is actually a requirement for leaders? So it might not be your primary gift, but is a requirement anyway. In fact, when Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and he listed a bunch of spiritual gifts in chapter 12 in Romans, let me read some of it to you. He said, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so we who are in Christ form one body, and each member belongs to another. And then he lists a bunch of gifts. We have gifts according to the grace given, given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion of his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. So he's listing these gifts, prophecy, serving. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. So he's listing all these spiritual gifts that God gives to the church. But then he ends ends that section and he says this, share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. So Paul is writing to the church and saying the same thing that Peter is saying. Listen, practice hospitality. Be hospitable. Even if it's not your gift, you might have to go get out of your comfort zone and practice hospitality. It's actually a requirement for leaders. It says in uh, Titus chapter 1, it says that the elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife and Uh, He goes through this list of all these things, and then he said, and he must be hospitable. So Peter is saying, practice hospitality. Now, can I remind you again? He's writing to a church that's going through great difficulty. So this is one of those messages today. It's not necessarily one of those, oh, this makes me feel good. This is one of those, oh, these are things I probably better be getting to because God's word is requiring it of me. Be hospitable. Now, did you notice what he said here? How we are to be hospitable? Two key words. Without grumbling. Okay, so I could be hospitable and not like it. But then he has to add these words. So you know what he's getting after here, right? It's the attitude behind it. I could be doing all kinds of good things. But he said, we got to even check our attitude. 
it's not just the doing of the good deed and being hospitable and all that. It's the doing it with the right attitude. I'm going to do it and not grumble or complain about it. I don't know what your pet peeve is about being hospitable to people. For me, it's, you know, when you throw a party at your house, and I don't know what, what it is about this, but people love to leave soda cans around and um, paper cups. And they just, for some reason, it's always cups and cans that are left all over the house. But he says, okay, but you got to practice hospitality. Nobody's off the hook, and we have to do it without grumbling. All right, the last thing he says, I'm going to wrap it up with this. Here's what he said. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now, it's interesting. He said, okay, whatever gift you've gotten, but then he mentions two. He said, if anyone speaks, he should be, he should be doing it as speaking the very words of God, so that in all things God may be praised. And if he serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides. Again, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. So when you think of all of the, the list of spiritual gifts that God gives to the church, you, you might have several of them. I've read you some of them out of uh, Romans 12. Let me list them again for you. Encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's another list. Administration, gift of apostleship, discernment, faith, healing, helps, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, teaching, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and wisdom. And then we know the gifts that he lists in Ephesians chapter 4. Apostles, evangelists, pastors, prophets, teachers. In other words, everybody's been given a spiritual gift. Some have several spiritual gifts. And when Peter writes to the church going through great difficulty, he reminds them. He doesn't give them an out just because life is hard. In fact, it's just the opposite. When life gets hard, Peter is encouraging them to do it even more. There's no out for Christians just because life gets challenging. So if you've been gifted by God in some way, and I know you have, that gift is not just for you. That gift is for others. If it, Whatever your gift is, it's not for you. It's not for you to feel good about yourself and, you know, praise, praise Jesus. No, it's for you to use that gift, here's what he says in the text, to serve others. Use your gift to serve others. Even in difficult times, Peter is encouraging them to serve. I don't, you've probably thought of this verse, right? This verse that Paul writes when he wrote to the church at Galatia. Don't grow weary in doing good. Now, all the stories I've been reading reading for the past eight weeks about all the great things the church is doing, not just this church, but the church, the body of Christ. Don't let fatigue set in so that we get weary in doing good because a promise comes for those that don't get weary in doing good. He says, for you will reap if you faint not. In other words, if you don't give up. I've said this, I said it already today. I'm going to say it again. I love seeing the church in action. 
There's a lady in our church. We, we don't get to see her much anymore. She moved to the Cape. But um, during this pandemic, she's been making masks for hospital workers and, you know, do, doing all kinds of things like this. But she, if you knew this lady, you would know that this is, this is her gift. I would have never thought to do this. But here's what she did. In the front of her house on her street, she put a cabinet or something out there and filled it full of food and put a bunch of masks that she had made in individual Ziploc bags, and she put it out in front of the house free. Anybody who wants food or a mask, it's free for the taking. And she said every day she goes out there and some food is gone. Sometimes people come and they actually bring food, but she'll replenish the supply if, it needs, if they need more masks out there. She puts a mask out there. You know what? That is the body of Christ in action, but it's this lady using her giftedness to serve others. You and I might have never thought to put a cabinet out in front of our house with food and mass, but she did. Why? Because God has gifted her in such a way that this would come natural to her. So Peter writes to the church and he said, use your gifts to help others. And then he said, be faithful in it. When you're using your gift, be faithful in it. It's, this isn't a one-time deal. And then he said, and depend upon God's strength. Listen, when we do get weary, we need God's strength to be able to do what Peter is saying to do. So he says, depend upon God's strength. But the bottom line, the real thing comes right at the end. He said, so that God gets the glory. Here's my takeaway. Peter doesn't give them an out even in hard times. The church needs to live expectantly to keep our head about us so that we can live prayerfully, to practice hospitality, even if we don't feel like it sometimes, to live lovingly because people need the love of God right now, and to use our giftedness to serve others. Praise be to the name of the Lord. Julie, would you come and close us in prayer? It's been wonderful seeing everybody watching from all over the country. Some old friends have been hopping on and watching. Some are on YouTube, some are on Facebook, some are watching the live stream. It's, a, it's been awesome to just see some of your names pop up. And uh, thanks for watching. We pray God's best for you. We pray that we'll be able to do that, what we talked about today. That's our homework for this week. Would you pray? I don't know about you, but that was a word that I needed to hear. So many times I have felt like the Apostle Peter when things have happened and I act impulsively. And out of my anxiety, I don't always make the right decision. I love Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And so if in hearing this message today, God has maybe put his thumbprint on an area of your heart that he wants you to release to him confess your sin and he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of all our sins and we also pray that you would let us know as a church any need that you would have any prayer needs if you want to become a christ follower we pray that you would let us know heavenly father thank you for your word today thank you for the worship that went out so powerfully today 
And Lord, we do ask that you would point out those things in our heart that would offend you. And we confess them to you, Lord. And we thank you that you offer us abundant forgiveness because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And it's in your precious name we pray these things. Amen.